Thank God, I brought this to MWC, and I didn't know that uh, because it's an older recorder, it only takes SD cards that are, I think it's eight gigabytes or lower, maybe even four. And I went to like 10 different reporters and was like, do you have a four gigabyte SD card yeah. in 2023? And they were like, <laughs> I have a 128 gigabyte SD card. And I was like, not gonna help me. <laughs> no. Welcome to the Android Police Podcast for October 27th. My name is Will Saddleberg. I have no idea if we got housekeeping outside. I have no idea if R and Daniel are recording their own section this week, uh, but I am coming at you from beautiful Maui in the uh, or at the Snapdragon Summit where Qualcomm announced, among many other things, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 this week. This is the chip that is going to power most flagship Android hardware for the next year or so starting as early as uh, this year, which is truly exciting. We're going to have a lot to talk about for the next 12 months about this chip. But for now, we are joined by a very special guest uh, sitting down with me for the second year in a row is Chris Patrick. Oh, Chris, you know, I didn't ask. I want to make sure I got your title right. I hope I did. Okay. Senior Vice President and General Manager of Mobile Handsets at Qualcomm. That is 100% correct. 100% yes, correct. I nailed it. All right. This is going great so far. I know. Chris, thank you for joining me. All right. Um, uh, and, and, and Haley, don't stress about those. It's fine. We're good. If, uh, if listeners hear uh, a vacuum, well, we're in a hotel. And that's... <laughs> that's um, how you know this is uh, real. It's not AI generated. This is It's real. not. No. It's, but uh, we might yeah. be able to use the power of AI to reduce the sound of the vacuum in the background. Chris, I, I think without a doubt, AI is the big theme this year. Is that fair to say? That is 100% fair to say. You introduced the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 yesterday as the titan of on-device intelligence. I wrote this down during, I was like, it was on the screen for a very long time. And I was like, that's in the podcast. Qualcomm showed, I want to say at least a dozen AI demos between the keynote and on island experiences and all of that. Is this the year, and I guess into 2024, the year of generative AI? Or is this just kind of the start of something new, I guess? Yeah, I'd say more the start than uh, than the year. Yeah. Just because really this this era of generative AI now, these very large models makes these things that were again unthinkable, right? These algorithms and these implementations that were unthinkable just a few years ago. Now we're able to demonstrate them. People are able to actually build these applications on device. And so now I think we're gonna see this wave of creativity get unleashed, right? As people put together intelligent assistants and put together image processing and and combinations of text and image and image to text and you know, it's kind of boundless, really, the types of things people can do with this technology. And so, yeah, we can't wait to see what happens. What do you see as, like, the biggest use case for AI on phones right now? If you had to pick, like, one, because obviously, as you said, yeah. lots of uses for, especially for generative AI. Like, what do you think is, like, the key thing that customers will be excited for? Yeah, I'd say right now, probably the, the first one is almost the most direct one, which is sort of generating images. Right, generating images or generating parts of images, um, modifying something. Yeah, one of the fun ones, which I think we demonstrated on stage, which just always seems impossible to me, is the zoom out function, right? Not zoom in, but zoom out on a picture. Have a picture and, and you, know, you want to zoom out and generate content around that picture yeah. that matches the feeling, matches the scene, matches the thing. That to me is just, uh, it's amazing every time I see it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so those kinds of things, really image generation from text or image generation from some other context. I think are the most direct way people can engage right now. But, um, but yeah, I think over the long term, the thing, the use case that's really gonna be impactful is this idea of your own AI assistant, you know, your own AI um, kind of agent um, that, you know, with the right permissions, if, if you choose to opt in 
uh, can collect data from what's happening on your phone or collect data from what's happening on your calendar or your email or whatever it is and really learn about you and learn about your life and learn about your preferences and be able to take intuitive actions on your behalf. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing that uh, I think it's going to take a while to get to that full vision. But uh, yeah, when it happens, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. That's the personalized AI component. That personalized has been, yeah. AI and, and really um, this almost uh, this agent acting on your behalf is the thing that's, that's pretty exciting. Can you talk about on personalized AI kind of how that works on a device level? Like, it, is it just pulling from your email and your, and your accounts on device or is it like sensors or like what is how is it gathering that data on you? Right. And again, I think that's, that's a, a vision that's still, I think how it's going to work is still yeah, emerging, yeah. honestly. But yeah, your, um, really your phone, for example, is, is yours, right? It's, uh, so you configure it and you set the permissions, you set the kind of activity on it. But yeah, there's a lot of information on your phone. Obviously, your email and your calendar and things like that. And just, uh, you know, what you search for, um, what screen you stay on. All those things are potentially available to this AI system, again, if you opt in and if you choose uh, to keep gathering context. Location, kind of where you are. Right. So if, if again, your AI assistant's you know, monitoring kind of your location uh, on your behalf, then they know we're at uh, the beautiful beach here in Maui. And, uh, you know, like at the right time, make a suggestion. Hey, do you want to rent a paddleboard and uh, go paddleboarding <laughs> with uh, Chris Patrick? <laughs> and, I, and I do. And that's right. what we're doing after this record. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I think when people think of AI on Android specifically, they think of Google. I think sure. that's just inherently tied together. Do you watch football? At all? I do. Okay. Less now. Uh, uh, sure, but but uh, uh, every NFL game over the last right. month has had Pixel Eight ads just right. every ten minutes or so, and it's really pushing AI. You know, they're really selling it as like the sure. AI phone, right? How do Qualcomm's advancements and I compare to what Google's trying to do? Because I do think both companies are kind of utilizing gener generative AI, but in kind of different ways, or kind of selling it in a different way. And then especially when Qualcomm doesn't really have the like, first party hardware that Google does to be like, these are the experiences we want to provide to you. You guys are more, these are the experiences we're providing to OEMs. Right. You know? right. Yeah. I think that's a fair description. Yeah, Qualcomm's obviously in a different position than, uh, in some ways, we're very well aligned with Google in terms of our, our role in the industry. Yeah. Right. So Google you know, has, has two roles. I think of the, the number one goal on Android really is to be this horizontal um, enabler right of the entire ecosystem and that's really where qualcomm sees itself as this enabler to cut across um every oem and every region in fact even sometimes different uh, operating systems you know we talked a lot about windows uh today during yeah. the summit so yeah so we try to provide this technology as broadly as we can and let sort of the ecosystem let the marketplace of ideas kind of uh, um bubble up different solutions to different invitations so yeah so google has the same role as a sort of horizontal enabler but of course they do have their first party um, kind of pixel um, things. So yeah, that gives them an avenue, I think, to demonstrate the vision in a very specific way in a one product. But still, I think we're, we're more aligned than we're not. Well, I, I, I'm, do you see them as a rival or do you see them, I mean, you know, obviously Tensor is its own thing, but in terms of the AI experience, do you see them as a rival or more as a, a, a competitor that you can, you can be like, they're doing this, that's a good idea, but what if we did it this way? Is that better? Right, I mean, this... Uh, this industry's always worked that way. You know, everybody kind of comes up with, uh, with cool, interesting ideas and implementations. And by the way, again, Google's a close partner of ours. Absolutely. So, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, implementing and optimizing, you know, their AI models on our hardware to enable, you know, a whole set of applications. So, yeah, so we're pretty excited about working with Google. But, um, but yeah, we want all kinds of ideas, all kinds of different uh, solutions. So, yeah, we think of them as um, 
much more a partner than than a rival, but uh, but a respected rival for that section of uh, our interaction. Yeah. Where do you not Qualcomm, but you, Chris Patrick, right. want AI to be in five years? What's your vision? If you could make it a reality, what wow. would that be? Wow, this is good. Let's <laughs> think about it. Okay, what do I want? Yeah, I want it to help me. So I want. Okay. Um, I think I'm probably like you have a very busy calendar. Yeah. Uh, get a lot of emails, a lot of things that I have to process and keep up with. And so, yeah, if I can have this again, this version of this AI assistant that is uh, is just helping take a little bit of the load off, um, is letting me know when it's a key email I really have to respond to. Uh, I got that ping from Will. You've not responded. It's been uh, three hours. He's probably <laughs> stuck on the paddleboard in the middle of the ocean somewhere. Yeah, you left help. me up there, man. I, I left you out there. I wasn't paying attention. You know, that's a, the right reminder at the right time. You know, again, this yeah. this idea of something that can help me with the uh, with the tasks that I can offload. So I'm pretty yeah. excited about that vision. That's it's interesting you say that. I we were talking about about AI at lunch yesterday, uh, myself and a couple of reporters and and a couple other like analysts and and like my key thing. I was like I was like yes like. Uh, generating photos or, or or poems or anything like that is, is fascinating. I just want AI to be like, you got 50 emails overnight. Here are the five that matter. Yes. <laughs> like, that's all I want is like, yeah, because I miss emails all the time because there's so much noise where I'm like, you know, it, 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 not that I'm, I'm, you know, being irresponsible about my inbox or anything, but it's like, oh, you know what? That one came in at 4 a.m., but it was actually important and it just, it right. just slipped through between five spam emails yes. on, on either side, <laughs> exactly. right? And it's exactly. just, that is also my vision for AI in five years. Maybe some of what, see some of what Microsoft is doing with yeah. Copilot. Yeah. yeah, so some of those things are pretty pretty interesting. Um, just sort of the one button summarization of an email thread or something. I, it's like, oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. I, I find that AI, or I, I guess I think that AI will be a little more boring than I think some of the demos demonstrate, if, if that makes any sense of like, it's not the flashiest thing on stage, but there will be those small things where you're like, I don't know how I lived without this before, you know? And it's it's not the same as being like, we can look at us, you know, generate a image, 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 like second after second, right? But like, you will end up using something like, summarize my emails for me more often, and it will just blend into your everyday life. That's right, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah I think a couple people said it uh, during the summit is that, yeah, we, Often the best technology is something that fades into the background. Exactly. Right? It's not in the foreground. We're not uh, so excited about the button, cool button we can press, but it's something that has this impact on our daily lives. So anyway, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm hoping for. I want to pivot a little bit to gaming just for All a right. second. Because I think gaming on mobile is in a really weird place right now. So I, I think handheld gaming, I'm going to go wide, is like more popular than ever probably because you have, you have smartphones, you have... A dedicated console like the switch and and whatever nintendo is probably shipping next year you have mobile pcs the steam deck rog ally and then you have kind of dedicated android handhelds like uh razor edge um and of course right Ed, is it edge oh no Am i've I getting... forgotten too so oh no not, see okay it's not just uh, me i believe it's razor edge uh, big trouble that's good um, um it was edge. here last year yes, i played with it last yeah, year yeah, same and of course, of course, Qualcomm is involved pretty deeply on that side of things with like the G3X Gen 2 that was announced a couple months ago and, and the G series in general. How do smartphones continue to fit into a space that is so diverse? It's much more diverse than it was even three years ago, right? Like I feel like three years ago you had the Switch and you had smartphones and now we have two more huge 
you know, it's not even competitors, it's, it's competing spaces, right? Where do smartphones still fit in the mobile gaming space? Yeah, I'll tell you how I think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, uh, yeah, um, this complex question. I know, but, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, it's, but it's a good one. Yeah, I almost think of it, you know, I think of the way gaming works. It's almost, um, it's almost, it's the content first, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the device uh, second. Right, so I think obviously Nintendo has a huge catalog uh, with with their rich history. I've been playing Super Mario Brothers Wonder uh, right before I came here. Okay, it's very right. it's very good. Right. It's probably the last okay. Switch game, but it's okay. very good. Oh, I'm not okay. My kids are gonna be excited. Um, <laughs> me too, by the way. By my kids, I mean myself. But um, okay, then we have the kind of the PC ecosystem and everything that's been built up there yeah. over so many years, right? So then I think the kind of handheld, um, you know, PCs in right. some ways can kind of tap into that huge catalog. Uh, but then everybody has a phone. Right. Everybody yeah. has this as an Android phone uh, that they have and they love and they use kind of every day. And so, um, yeah, so I think this is to me, this is massive catalog uh, still. I know this we're still looking for maybe kind of the, the quite broad enough, especially in the U.S., um, kind of these console type games right on on kind of Android that are very popular in other regions. Uh, like I had a chance to go to the, you know, the gaming kind of expo in, in Shanghai. Uh, it's just incredible. Kind of the excitement, just incredible. Um, but yeah, in the U.S., I know people don't, uh, the games tend not to be as high-end, uh, perhaps, uh, in the U.S. But yeah, so I think the Android handhelds, as a sort of extension of that, just make perfect sense. You know, if, if this, these titles you love, uh, kind of on your phone, you have a, a foldable, right? So that you get a bigger screen to go play and, and have some more surface area. And then to make that a bigger experience yet with an Android handheld, I think makes, definitely makes sense. So we'll see how the, all these ecosystems work out. But uh, yeah, I'm expecting this. There's a healthy, uh, this healthy space for, for each of these. You kind of nailed my next question because to me, it feels like it is primarily Chinese or, or South Korean gaming companies that are really pushing gaming on Android forward, right? Your Genshin impacts, right. right? Stuff like that. At the same time, we have Apple on stage a month ago announcing Resident Evil 4 remake and Death Stranding are coming to iPhone 15 Pro. It is certainly not a lack of horsepower in the Gen 3 that is preventing me from, from playing Resident Evil 4 on, on my OnePlus Open in front of me, even with the Gen 2. It is more of a, a issue of publishers, I think, and developers not bringing those games to, to the Play Store, to Android. What role does Qualcomm play, if any, in helping facilitate that growth in terms of you know, making sure that Android is kind of an equivalent space to play games, especially console grade or even console ports. Yeah, one, we want to make sure the hardware is incredible, yeah. right? So that, that's a heavy focus of ours is how to implement, make sure we have these console level features, ray tracing, um, global illumination like we announced yes. uh, this year. Uh, so that's kind of step one. Step two, this gaming is a, a unique space. It's this unique kind of... Uh, programming model where we're working with these different engine companies. So our next piece is really work very closely with each of the engine companies um, to make sure that uh, those gaming engines work as well as they can possibly work on our hardware, that we have uh, fully optimized solutions using all the different processors. So that's kind of step two. Uh, step three really is working directly with the, the game companies themselves, not the game engines, but the game publishers themselves. So that's where Qualcomm tends to, to be less involved. So we, you know, we work on the hardware and then with the game engine companies. Uh, but after that, we're really relying on the OEMs and kind of the ecosystem uh, to drive. But it's something definitely I think we need, to, we need to look at and maybe talk more with Google 
But how do we make sure that, uh, yeah, Android gaming reaches its full potential in, in every region? It's definitely incredibly popular outside of the U.S., right? Every time it's I travel. It's fascinating. It's, 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 it's a strange thing. You'll, you'll find out a game has a billion players. Exactly. You've never heard of it. And you're, exactly. like, you're like, well, like a billion players lifetime? They're like, no, active. <laughs> it's like, right. how? What? I've never heard of this. That's exactly right. Exactly um, right. But it's fascinating. And it's like you said, you're bringing um, Unreal Engine 5 Lumen and and... It is not a lack of horsepower. It is, I think, kind of, and to your point, like Google has, you know, I think needs to be on stage at IO next year with a Square Enix being like, you yeah, know, Final understand. Fantasy VII Remake, understand. it's here. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take that action on right now. So we're going to note it down. I'm going to follow up. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I find, I find gaming, so I find the gaming space just fascinating right same, now. It's, same. It's, um, like I said, like a diversity of choice there that has... And I, I've always loved handheld gaming, I guess. Sure. Like as a as a I had consoles as a kid, but I was always my first the first thing I had was a Game Boy Color. Okay. And so I think I feel like I always was like kind of won over by like, oh I like the portability of it yeah. and, and and playing on the school bus or whatever. And the fact that now it's like the promise of and I, I this is an Apple thing currently, but the promise of like, yeah, just go play Death Stranding on the phone that's in your pocket is like wild to me. I don't know. It is amazing what we can do. Um, yeah, and then having, you know, again, consoles or um, cloud streaming uh, games uh, to, to kind of phones and tablets and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, some pretty exciting things continuing to happen there. I think the maybe the promise got a little bit ahead of the reality for a moment, but yeah. I think I think that's going to come and, uh, and people are going to enjoy it, I think. I'm glad you brought up cloud streaming because I sure. want to talk a little bit about 5G. Okay, please. I feel like we didn't hear a lot about 5G on stage this year. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. Okay. Yeah, definitely. This year, we wanted to focus really on, um, again, sort of connected computing, and maybe this time really emphasizing the computing, yeah. uh, and less so the connected. Uh, not because there's not exciting things happening on on the five G side and the connectivity side, uh, but really, you know, this this summit uh, this year was really about the the computing capabilities we can bring and the AI capabilities we can bring, and so yeah, you you, you pick a certain number of things to emphasize it <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and so yeah, this year it was it was really about AI and about uh, the incredible new CPU uh, that we've developed, the incredible kind of GPU and gaming capability and ISVs and AI and how it all ties together. And so yeah, it was a lot to, lot to cover this year. Do you think we are approaching maybe not the tail end of five G's development, but kind of its maturity as a fact of life? I, I, I guess to to talk, you know, kind of how LTE eventually just became like a thing that everybody had, right. and it was just kind right. of you didn't think about it as much, and 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 then you started looking at the future, and you're like, what's next? And what was next was five G, and and I wonder if we're approaching that with five G at this point, or if we're if they're still developments to be done on the, on the networking side. Yeah, I think there's a lot ahead, actually. Because, yeah. you yeah, know, at this point, we have, uh, yeah, there's a lot of 5G coverage, not in every region, but, uh, but certainly in the US and China and lots of key regions, they're, they're, there's very good 5G coverage now. So that's good. But yeah, what's ahead still is really the, so it's called the core network, kind of part of the, the cellular system that still has to kind of get replaced eventually with, with this more modern, more flexible um, kind of system and so i think as we see that we'll see some of these new services and things like that emerging uh, so now almost what we have is 5g replacing 4g with the 4g type services but over time we're going to see uh, more and more things get unlocked i would expect yeah okay that's fair i just it was i was sitting listening yesterday and i was like there was someone mentioned 5g once and it was like oh i have not heard that very <laughs> much this year which is which feels different it from, feels from different. past years yeah that's true. It's, that's true and probably it's what you say is, is now um 
yeah, G usually lasts about a decade uh, or so. And so, um, yeah, at the beginning of that transition, that's all kind of we can think about. That's all uh, maybe the industry can think about. Uh, but at some point, it becomes a fact of life, right? It becomes just uh, water, um, air, electricity. 5G. Um, 5G, right? <laughs> it's just so, around uh, us. Yeah, that's right. You mentioned Orion, or you mentioned a new CPU. Yes, I did. I mean, it is only Windows-based right now. Effectively. Only Windows yes. right now. It was teased for next year. Yes. Can you speak on anything else about I have to ask. Anything yes. to look forward to with what I assume will be called the Snapdragon 8 Gen 4. Yeah, so you know, we're very excited about the Gen 3. I know. Uh, that we're announcing <laughs> this year, which is fantastic. And uh, yeah, there's so many cool experiences on that yet to, go, to come. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, we're... Um, we're pretty pumped about the Gen uh, something, the, the yeah, one that comes yeah, yeah, off yeah. the three. I can't think if of what the number would be. If you Haley, Haley's <laughs> over here listening. Haley, if you put a plus in it, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> I think there's something that comes off to the three. What it is, who knows? Yeah. Math is very difficult. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's going to be pretty exciting. So, yeah, so what we did share at the summit, and you referred to it, is uh, the new Orion core, uh, which we've developed. So this is a pretty, pretty astounding new CPU that meets the ARM um, ISA, right, instruction set, but is otherwise kind of fully custom. So pretty, pretty exciting, the performance we can get out of that and the power efficiency at the same time uh, we can get out of that core. So we think it's going to be pretty transformative. It's any of the Windows side of things. And then uh, in the future, uh, when it hits uh, hit the smartphone. Will it replace Cairo as a... Um, yeah, will it replace the Cryo CPU? Yeah. Yeah, we, we'll see. We'll see. So we might find uh, there's combinations of kind of the, the stock sort of uh, CPUs from ARM yeah. um, and our Orion Core, or maybe exclusively the Orion Core. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. I'm very excited. I, I, that slide came up, and I was like, I have a lot of work to do next year. <laughs> it's going to be That's a busy right. year. We got we to gotta book your, your suite for next year. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I was like this was... room, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, this year was the, uh, the PC, and I'm... I'm just hanging out and I'm like, Gen 3, man, it's exciting. And <laughs> next right. year it's going to be like, no, I actually, I have to, I have to find a benchmarking device. Do you, does anyone have a benchmarking device? <laughs> We're going to work it out. <laughs> I guess talking kind of technical, we've seen three nanometer chips. You know, this is a four nanometer chip. This is a, a TSMC fabrication. What goes into the decisions behind you choose to partner with for fabrication like what you know it, all of that kind of behind the scenes technical detail i'm fascinated about like how that progress goes versus when you when you leap forward or when you stay you know sure kind of, yeah sure yeah actually again process technology the underlying kind of device physics just fascinating um and yeah we have to make these decisions um actually very far in advance um, so definitely not a, a kind of casual decision at, at the end. But yeah, so we, we look at uh, we look at affordability. I think everybody knows that sort of transistor cost um, is steadily increasing, right? Where it uh, it used to decrease, and so it's relatively easy actually to kind of add more and more uh, fun stuff for the same cost. So cost is a big consideration, and then um, yeah, as a process matures, kind of early in the process life cycle. Often it doesn't completely hit its goals, and then over time it, it does hit its goals. So there's always a, a question when to kind of engage in a new process technology and when to kind of squeeze more goodness out of the uh, the previous one. Um, so yes, yeah, so we feel great in with all the data we now know. We think we feel great about our decision to stay on four nanometer here. But again, we have big things coming up on uh, on future chips. As you said, I mean, yesterday there was uh, what was it in 2008? It was. What was the process size? I, I can't even remember now. 50, oh, 60, uh, 65 nanometer. Yeah, so 65 like, nanometer. We have come, what is that, 15 years? Come yeah. a long way. Come a long way. Come a long years. way. Right, exactly. 
I want to close talking a little bit, I guess maybe coming full circle on the AI stuff, but talking a little bit about the camera. I feel like the past month, month and a half has been everyone talking about the question, what is a photo? Right. I'm sure you have. Right. Yeah. I mean, first, I guess I'm curious how you feel about that debate, because I, I feel like that is that's contentious. You know, like I feel like people have strong opinions about where they fall on on, you know, how AI is is impacting photos. And, and this is all obviously spurred post Pixel 8 announcement, I would say. But same thing with some of the demos Qualcomm showed off this week. I think, you know, AI powered photo manipulation wall certainly powerful and, and, and impactful in terms of how it presents an image can also at the same time be like, well, is that actually, are we straying too far from, from what is a recreation of reality? Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great philosophical question. I know, um, it's why you know, I find it so fascinating. I, I do find it fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know, I certainly don't have the answer. Is, uh, yeah, at what point is, is kind of fixing an imperfection that in the photo that really your eye and your brain does that right i think i'm staring out at the kind of beautiful scenery behind me and yeah my brain's interpreting that as a leaf and already making sort of a mental adjustment i know that's a leaf i know leaf things about that leaf um so yeah we're we're getting really deep we're getting very deep i know about the essence of leaves um from all my experiences (laughs) with leaves and so yeah so the brain is processing things so the question is yeah yeah, is it is the camera and the camera system and and the ai and capturing the photo uh should it be doing the same thing like why why shouldn't it right um versus just accepting the raw pixels that come in from the from the lens from the sensor but yeah but i understand the question is if you already know what a leaf is just deleting that leaf and putting in a new leaf is it the same is it the picture that you meant to capture and then afterwards if you modify it and then publish again is that the picture you meant to capture or you sort of really just creating this new thing anyway i think fascinating i'm going to read uh everything you published on the question oh god i'm um, looking forward <laughs> to that but uh yeah i i certainly don't know the answer i mean but it's uh yeah it's interesting to me, I fall in the middle. I think it is impossible to be like immediately just like, oh, we've gone too far because because why would you have not raised, you know, the the amount of just post processing that takes place in the background every right. time you you tap the shutter button is right. immense on basically every smartphone at this point anyway. And so, to look at something like the ability to to zoom out of a photo and create the surrounding area based on you know, generative AI is, is, well, is that really that different than some of the more basic stuff that smartphones have been doing for ages now? But, you know, at, at the same time, sometimes I want the photo to be imperfect, you know? And right. I think that's yeah. interesting where, where I've been thinking a lot about this with, with Google's best take, especially around their marketing of it, which is, don't you want all of your family to make the same smiling basic face? And I'm like, well, I don't know if I had kids and i don't but like maybe i would want the one where they're making silly faces like that's a memory i don't know and 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 i think people will solve this i'm curious what you think but but we'll kind of solve this on their own where they will be like i'm glad google gave this feature i'm glad qualcomm you know added the ability to to for samsung to develop this feature or anything like that i'm only going to use it to fix my kid blinking in a uh christmas photo right Uh, right. i'm not going to use it to like manipulate my friends faces while we were out last night like that feels a little weird you know and i but but i'm curious what you think about that yeah no i think i think that's right i think i think people are aware of this uh now and then with uh with generative ai i think there's so many more um it's very much in the foreground right it's not going to be this background uh thing that nobody's ever realized could happen so i think everybody now knows and people are going to be more aware um you know we announced the can this deeper collaboration with with trupic 
on this uh, C2PA uh, standard. So I think there'll be more and more of that where maybe it doesn't happen enough, but people on social media who are doing something paid or whatever, and you put the hashtag yeah, ad or yeah. you know, if that's the right thing, uh, not an uh, experienced social media person. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that's what's going to happen. You know, yeah. there's going to be kind of the raw image and then there's going to be sort of the image that somebody wants to present and we'll find ways to communicate the difference. So that's, that's what I hope and that's what I expect is that, uh, yeah, society will kind of work this out. And so we're, we're going to try to do the best we can to make sure that there are um, tools available. Yeah. Um, we'll support TruePick and, and others on kind of these, these uh, certifications and things um, so you can tell the difference. Yeah. I think that's, and that's a, that's a good way to walk the ethical line, I think, of like sharing an image and, and, and having it manipulated, but also you're aware that it's been manipulated. There's no, there's no surprise about it. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Right. That's fascinating. Um, okay, I want to end with one kind of more broad question, easy one. Uh, Chris, what is the what is the most what is the thing you're most excited about uh, when it comes to the Snapdragon Eight Gen Three? Single thing. One thing I'm excited about is not on the Snapdragon Eight uh, Gen okay. Three, but uh, but connected. So one of the things we announced this week uh, at, at the summit was uh, a technology called XPan. Yeah. All right, which is connected to the phone, but is not just the phone. So that's a combination Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, yeah. earbuds. And yeah, I just, I'm just very excited for this to be a reality. Is from my phone or my tablet, Android phone or my Android tablet uh, with HN3 to be connected uh, to my buds in a way that is, uh, yeah, I can be anywhere. So right now we're in this beautiful hotel in Maui. If I could leave my, uh, my phone uh, in there, if I happen to for some reason, I could still walk across the entire hotel yeah. campus or whatever and still be on that call. I think that's going to be very cool. I don't mean this in a in a rude way to to you or any other company. It's such an obvious advancement that I'm surprised we haven't had it before. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, of like, that's right. Of like, you, it was announced, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Duh, why, why doesn't that already happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually, so I'll tell you the secret sauce uh, there, yeah. which is uh, doing it in a way that is low power. Yes. So that is the trick, because I think doing it, no problem. Uh, but doing it with uh, you know something that's a pound or two hanging out of each ear, uh, that would not uh, have the no. consumer appeal we want. No. So the question is, yeah, how to do something that does Wi-Fi but does Wi-Fi at approximately the same power as Bluetooth. So that is the big uh, trick there. So anyway, so that's an extension of the HN3, but uh, but I'm excited about it. You're going to make me buy new earbuds. That's what and I'm I just do. bought new earbuds. And I'm not happy about this. All right. <laughs> We're going to make a note. It's, it's, I just bought... A new, the, the Bose's uh, uh, quiet comfort. Yeah, and, right. and and so you're gonna make me spend another three hundred dollars. <laughs> They're quite nice though. The, yeah. the, I I've stopped bringing my my big XM threes on planes because okay. they're they're as good about as good as walking out noise. So okay. excellent. And now I'm gonna have to get new ones. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. One more sale, Haley. Make a note. Sweet. <laughs> Chris, uh, thank you for, for being here. I hope I touched uh, uh, enough about the... There is a lot going on as much as Snapdragon X Elite has been, I would say, the bigger focus of, of the summit. There's a lot going on with the Gen 3. I'm really excited to like actually like try it in, in, in hardware that I can use as my daily driver. We're really incredibly proud of this. Chip. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just so much to this platform that's, I think, going to, in the end, uh, delight people and excite people. And then it's, uh, yeah, it's the vehicle for this generative AI kind of explosion. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited. And so I can't wait for the devices myself. Chris, thank you. Thank you, Will. Always great to talk to you. Yeah. That's it. You can follow me on various social networks. Probably don't, actually. Don't follow me on, on I need to get off Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, Chris, can, can people follow you anywhere? Is there, is there a, a platform you prefer these days? 
you know uh that's that's an action item uh but you, you can follow me on on twitter yeah. uh i think nobody does i don't think <laughs> so uh yeah you could be very early uh there to follow go. me at uh, chris patrick sd i think yeah you know, again there's gonna be prizes for the first uh 20 people all right <laughs> that's and that's a promise uh, that chris, is not chris a promise is- that was uh <laughs> Not legally Chris binding. will take you paddleboarding <laughs> and leave you in the middle of the that ocean. That absolutely I can do. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Okay, thank you, Will. Bye.